and uh, is a pervasive thought. It is consistent. And uh, you, you, you go to bed with this thought, you wake up with this thought. And how many know what I'm talking about? That's the difference in the stronghold and just some wild hair thing. Well, uh, most of our strongholds are there because of a natural circumstance we're dealing with. Now, it can come, a stronghold can come uh, just from, a stronghold can come just from, uh, uh, you know, a fear, a phobia, something weird. Don't worry, I'm going to make it two cycle babble. <laughs> but uh, a fear, a phobia, something, you know, weird thing that you just, you know, a sudden unreasonable thing. But most of the time, that's not the case. Most of the time, these strongholds that set up are from a natural circumstance that we're dealing with. Either with something that's happening in our life, it can be a, a, an attack on our physical body, an attack on our mind, it can be an attack on our family, or uh, something with our finances or whatever. So we have these strongholds. And the stronghold is usually in the form of the devil lying to you, saying something like, uh, you know, God's not going to deliver you this time. Have you ever been there? God's not going to help you this time. Uh, or the, that, the, the last supply the Lord gave him, that was it. He's done. Oral Roberts used to say that every time he got a major donation, you know, which he needed one every five minutes. And he all that going, you know. But every time he, he got a major donation, the devil would always say to him, and that's the last you're getting. That's it, so make it last, you know. And, uh, boy, sometimes we can feel that way. But uh, he would have to just rebuke that thought and say, well, that's not true. For that to be true, you know, you'd have to take half the Bible away. Jesus said some very strong things about something like that. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He said, uh, you know, the Bible says, if God be for us, who can be against us? Amen? So God's not in the business of just abandoning you. I don't know why we think that about God ever. Like God is capable of the sin of abandonment and neglect. No, the Bible says if we being carnal or natural know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more does the Heavenly Father know how to bless them with the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit encompasses everything. Amen? So you'll notice here, again, um, uh, what a stronghold is. So he says, the pulling down of strongholds. So we want strongholds to fall, right? We want to pull them down in our mind and in our soul. Is this helping anybody? Yeah. Praise God. Okay. Casting down. What are we going to do? Casting down. We're going to cast them down, right? Casting down imaginations. And every... That doesn't mean you don't use your imagination. It means anything that's against something here. Certain imaginations. Not all of them. You know, you need to be creative. But casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself, which is a type of idolatry, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, we think that idolatry is just the golden calf, you know, of people worshiping the palm cross. But that's, that's just an example. An idolatry can set up with just one of these imaginations. And anything that sets itself up and takes our attention away from the Word of God, takes our attention away from the will of God, which has been manifested through God's love. If you ever if you ever doubt God's love, you need to go back to John three sixteen. 
If you ever doubt God's love, realize if he gave us Jesus, what good thing would, would he withhold? Well, we've all doubted God's love. Can I just be honest about that? I think we've all wondered, does God really love me? Does God really care for me? Is God really trying to help me? Is God really going to do something for me? We've all wondered that. But uh, thank God we know the truth. And so you have to go back and think, well, how can you look at Jesus bleeding and suffering and dying on the cross and doubt God's love for you? He did that for you. He did that for me. He didn't do that to establish Christian religion. He didn't do that to try that so that he could have a, a church somewhere someday with a cross on the building. That's not the point. He, he did this. What does the cross represent? Some people think, well, it represents Christianity, it represents religion, but it really should represent to us God's love. Amen. The cross represents love. It represents that fact that someone died for us and gave us access to God. Preach, Brother David. <laughs> All right. Uh, what are we going to do? We're going to cast down imaginations. We're going to, uh, and, and cast down, also, we're going to cast down every high thing, every high thing, that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity, this is the second part of it, bringing into captivity, bring them hostage, and deal with them, every thought, how many? Every thought that... Uh, unto or to every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, I tell you what, this we miss this here a lot. Because what you know our our amazing faith movement <laughs> that uh, I am a part of, I think we read that and I heard it taught, I'm pretty sure, somewhere. That that means that something about our obedience. You know, we, we bring these thoughts and then we obey. Well, no, uh, it says it doesn't say to the obedience of the believer, does it? Uh, does it say to the to the obedience of the believer to the obedience of Christ? Well, what did he obey? He obeyed uh, the death of the cross. He went all the way. How many believe he paid the whole price? Did he skip part of it? No. What part did he fail to do? Did he did he ask for a, a voucher to get out of some of it? You know, no. He did pray in the garden. Is there Plan B here that I don't know about? You know, basically. You know, is there any other way? This is looking pretty scary here. He knew what was coming, but he said, nevertheless. Remember what he said. Nevertheless. Not my will, but thine be done. Well, there's obedience. He obeyed right then and there. He, he settled it. This is, the, you know, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. But he said, however, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. If this is what I must do, then I will do it. All right. So what did he do? What did he do here? Pray my phone doesn't die because I left my... My notes, anyway, praise God. Alright, it says here, obedience to what? See, this is my question. Obedience to what? Obedience to the finished work of the cross. In other words, what did the finished work of the cross provide? Redemption. 
From what? Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, Galatians 3.13. So we are redeemed from separation from God. That's, that's been fixed by Jesus. We're not separated. We are redeemed also from sickness and disease. Hallelujah. Sometimes your body wants to rebel against that, doesn't it? And succumb to illness, but we're not going to. Praise the Lord. We're going to, the Bible says, let the redeemed Lord just throw in the towel and quit and be discouraged. Is that what it says? No, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So we say so. <laughs> what so? Our, our, our redemption from sin, sickness, and poverty. Amen. We are redeemed. Sometimes our circumstances don't look like that's true. Is that right English? Don't look like that. It, it does not, does it? Pretty My joke is, I, uh, you know, I went to school in Georgia. We were 49th in the nation for education, praise God. Well, we can always count on Mississippi being 50. Amen. And sometimes we got to be 48 when South Carolina was 49. <laughs> Hallelujah. So my English is, uh, you know, painted. A little southern roots. That's okay. Praise the Lord. Doesn't uh, line up, right? Our circumstances uh, are sometimes contradictory to the Word of God. Contradictory to what has actually happened. Contradictory. How many believe Jesus won the victory. That's why you notice we don't have a dead Christ on the cross. You know, we don't have, you know, and that's not an anti-Catholic statement, it's just the truth. There's no dead Christ because he's no longer dead. He's, the, the cross is empty and the tomb is empty. What's our testimony? The cross is empty and the tomb is empty. Jesus paid the price. That's why we don't, you know, put a dead Jesus out here and all weep and mourn every Sunday. Because he is risen. And he is risen indeed. And not only is he risen, but he is ascended. And not only is he ascended, but he is seated in heavenly places where we're seated with him. Amen. We're in him, ruling and reigning in life with Christ and in Christ. Alright, so what are we bringing all these thoughts into captivity and to the obedience of Christ, what he did and finished on the cross? Amen? So, think about this. Uh, to, to say, I just can't stop thinking about, because you know, people will come free to you for prayer or whatever. You say, alright, now here's what you're going to get from me. <laughs> I just warned you. If you come to me with a problem, I'm going to say this to you. What does the Word of God say about this? That's what I'm going to say. Now, a lot of people don't want to hear that, unfortunately. They want to hear all I know is a hard old way. But I'm not going to do that because, because it, it, it can be a hard old way, but Jesus got victory for us. So at some point, we've got to stop whining and moaning about our problems and get over, and you're not compassionate with that, amen. 
But you know, if, what are we going to do now? Now, okay, now we've identified the problem. It's, it's an illness, or it's a you know, it's a confusion, or whatever. What are we going to now do? Just sit and cry about it? Well, I think there's a better solution. Amen. Let's never just say, "Well, I'm defeated, and that's it. There's nothing we can do about it." That's not the testimony of the redeemed, is it? Are you listening? I said, that's not the testimony of the redeemed. Amen. The testimony of the redeemed is, I'm redeemed. Praise God. So even when we look like we're not redeemed and feel like we're not redeemed and it seems like we're not redeemed and nothing of the natural confirms it. Sometimes I've said the only confirmation you get is the ink on the paper, the print. Have you ever been there? Where everything, all of your natural uh, five senses tell you, all these natural symptoms say to you, uh, it's not happening and it can't happen. And it's impossible. But you say, no, it says right here, that's why I like you to be Bible people. How do you have, you can't be, uh, you can't have constant victory in Jesus just because we sing that once a month or so. You have to have constant victory in Jesus, and it's not even from the inspiration of the service. It has to be from the Word of God. I am convinced that if you'll become a Bible person, a Word person, a person who can find, well, here's my problem. What does the Word say about it? What does God say about it? If you can get that and and let that be sort of your culture, of, of your Christian culture is that you depend on the word. I tell you what, it'll put you over every time. It'll slap you upside the head in a good way and jerk the slap out of you. Amen. Because I've been there before. I said I've been there wallowing in my stewing in my stuff. <laughs> you ever stewed in your stuff? Stewed in your stuff. I've been there. Feeling sorry for David. Feeling sorry for, uh, you know, whatever. And uh, and I just get quiet after my pity party. You ever had one of those? And the Lord says to you, All right. <laughs> Why don't you open your Bible and read a few words from me? Uh, Lord, speak. You know, we're holding the Bible. Lord, speak to me. Well, turn on the light. Open the Word. Read some verses that apply. To, you know, if you need forgiveness, don't read the condemnation verses. <laughs> People do that, you know. They, they, they committed some sin, they find a condemnation verse that they beat themselves over the head with and go to hell. No, if you need justification and deliverance, don't read a go to hell verse. Read a <laughs> read a, a, a freedom from sin verse. Amen. Get on top of that thing. Get the victory over. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you've got sickness, don't read Job's boils. Don't 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 add Job's boils to your stew. Praise God. Get, get, go to Christ has redeemed me. Go to Isaiah 53. You know, surely, surely, just as sure as the world, in other words, surely he has borne our sicknesses and carried our pains by his stripes were healed. If, if you need money, you know, don't go to, well, the son of man had nowhere to lay his head. Don't, don't go there. Praise God. Go to my God shall supply all of my needs. 
according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Amen. If you need salt on your food, you don't get the sugar bowl out, is the point, or the other way around. Amen? You put on there what you need, and as the Word of God is the same. And it'll help you. I said it'll help you. My wife and I were talking the other day about Pentecostal preaching, and we said, we know how to get a, get a response out of the crowd. If you say it the first time and nobody responds, you say it again. And if that doesn't work, you say it three times. If that doesn't work, you, you know, you scream it or something. No screaming, all right? I, won't, I promise I won't scream. But I get excited. I know it's great, but I'm not a screamer. You know, the problem, let me tell you the problem with screaming and preaching is eventually the guy can't talk anymore. <laughs> you ever been to the end of a revival the preacher should have quit two nights before? <laughs> no. <laughs> Nobody knows what I'm talking about. Mark does back there. Mark does. All right. So to say, remember we're talking about idolatry, Something that has exalted itself above the finished work of the cross is that thought, that stronghold becomes an idol. Anything that has written, you want want a Ten Commandments for that, here's one. Thou shalt not have any other gods before me. That includes a thought or something that has risen up above what Jesus has actually done. Never thought of an idol like that. You know, usually you're told it's your boat or something. But, uh, sister knows. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, the idol, <laughs> the idol, uh, can be just a, a thought that, that, that says that what Jesus did was not enough. And it's not finished. Boy, that's a bad one, isn't it? So, again, to say, I just can't stop thinking about, you know, the illness, what my kids are doing or not doing, or something, or money problems, uh, fill in the blank with something negative, or even an offense. I can't, I just can't get over what Myrtle said to me, you know, uh, something like that, is to actually engage yourself in disobedience. And to and we've all done that. Amen. All right. And then we have uh, more verses here. Turning your Bibles to Ephesians four twenty-two. We're going to read about uh, ten verses here. And we're going to talk about corruption and grief, grieving the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? to actually grieve the Holy Spirit. Well, I've heard everything from, you know, the baby cried in the service and grieved the Holy Spirit, and they, somebody sang the wrong song, and, it, you know, it grieved the Holy Spirit. And, you know, uh, somebody came into church with a dress too short, and that grieved the Holy Spirit. You know, everything under the sun has been used as a grieve the Holy Spirit verse. But actually, the Bible doesn't say anything about any of that grieving the Holy Spirit. There's only one thing that the Bible identifies that grieves the Holy Spirit. How many would like to have that settled forever? Because you, you've all heard every kind of thing under the sun. But the Bible is very clear. Okay, Ephesians 4, and let's look at verse uh, 22. 
uh, that you put off concerning the former conversation. Now that means lifestyle. The old man, which is corrupt, notice that word, corrupt, according to the deceitful lust, be renewed in the spirit of your mind, or attitude of your mind, that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, put away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let, now here we go, the word corrupt. Remember I told you we're going to talk about corruption. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Now Paul here is in the middle of his his revelation about the difference in trying to serve God through the flesh, you know, and circumcision and all that sort of thing, and, you know, keeping certain days holy and not eating certain kinds of meat and all kinds of stuff, and earning your righteousness through law-keeping and righteousness by faith in what Christ has done. Amen? So when he says corruption... He's not necessarily talking about just, you know, uh, an unclean joke or something, even though that the Bible does have something to say about that in other places. But here, it's not so much the thought of that. We think corruption just means something off-color or obscene or whatever, and that shouldn't, you know, be a part of our lives either. But that's not what he's referring to. He's referring, when he says corruption, he's talking about anything that challenges or corrupts the finished work of the cross. We are, when, when Jesus finished the work, we were sealed, and we had faith in that and accepted it. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit. Our salvation, our redemption, our relationship with God, folks, is sealed by the Holy Spirit. Isn't that something? So what is corrupt communication? Would be anything that challenges that seal. I would call it the attempt to lift the seal. There's preaching that attempts to lift the seal. Any kind of preaching that tells you that, well, you're not saved and you're not, you know, blah, 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 and you try to put a, you know, I mean, I've been in, the, uh, in doubt and unbelief meetings. You ever been in one of those? Where they just make you, you thought you were saved, by the time you left, you knew, weren't any sure about anything, you know. And, uh, and then, you know, have you pray at the altar for about an hour, see if that makes you feel any better. Usually you felt worse after that. And then they'd come around and say, now tell the Lord every sin you've committed. And then they've got a tape recorder, you know, I think, that, I don't know, put it in the church record somewhere. Some nonsense, you know. That's a joke. I don't think that's ever happened. Somebody's written down some, I've got a dossier on you, and I want you to know I'm showing it to the Lord. You know, but uh, <laughs> bring it into the prayer meeting. 
<laughs> but uh, no, praise God. Said, Brother David, why do you preach the way you do? Why don't you really let us have it? You know, with some good old condemnation, not unbelief, make us feel bad. Some people, I don't feel like they've been in church until they've been beat up pretty good, you know, I think. Oh, he really, that preacher really preached today. Boy, he let us have it. Well, I just don't think that that's what feeding the sheep means. <laughs> Feed the sheep. You got your bat ready? Here one comes. Bam! You know. <laughs> right in the snout, you know. And, uh, you know, one comes with an eye, you know, patch on, and three legs hobbling around, and uh, sheared and knit, you know, behind the ear with the shear. No, Jesus didn't say, shear my sheep. He said, feed them. Praise the Lord. And so, you know, we, we don't need anybody to add condemnation to us. We've got a good dose of that by ourselves. Hallelujah. We can just beat up ourselves, just sit down and say, I'm a loser. But, you know, we need to come to church where we can be built and encouraged. And what did he say? Let no corrupt communicate. Preachers need this message, I'm telling you, more than anybody, maybe. Because they will corrupt the seal of the Holy Spirit if you let them. I, I, I won't do that, I promise you. I will never corrupt the seal of the Holy Spirit. I will tell you, even if you're involved in horrible things... I will, here's what I'm going to say to you. I'm going to say what Paul said to the fornicators at Corinth. He said, know ye not that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You have forgotten who you are. The reason you're acting so awful. So somebody that's even acting awful, I'm going to say to them, you have forgotten who you are. This is not who you really are. Amen. Praise God. And you know, that's just, that, that gives you something to work with, doesn't it? For reformation. Rather than you, you sorry thing, look at you. You know, that face, that look. These are faces I've seen in church the reason I can pull those. The look of disgust. You disgust me. Well, praise God, I'm glad you're not the Lord. Amen. <laughs> right? <laughs> you ever been on the other side of a face and you were glad that they weren't God because you would have been really up to the creek without a paddle, right? <laughs> Thank God, God is God. And He loves me, hallelujah, as unlovable as I can be at times. How about you? Praise the Lord. Amen? Aren't you glad that He loves us and He sees past all of our stuff? All of our stuff. Thank God for His mercy, His grace. His mercies are new every morning. Sister Ledbetter, we're not so sure, you know. But uh, the Lord's His are, His are new every morning. And so that means it's good for me, right? How about you? Glory to God. So, what does it mean to, to breathe the Holy Spirit? Well, that baby cried while they were trying to give out a message in tongues, and that was it. No, that's not, that's not breathing the Holy Spirit. What grieves the Holy Spirit is any words that try to lift the seal of the Spirit on our life. Amen. And tell us that what Jesus did was not enough. Well, if what Jesus did is not enough, I surely can't add to it. Because he was the holy, spotless Lamb of God. 
Amen. With no, and so if his sacrifice isn't enough, what's mine going to add to it? Not a whole lot, right? What's the value? What's the value of my sacrifice and your sacrifice compared to his? None. In fact, let me tell you this. The sacrifice of Christ, and I've told this before, but I'll tell you this. The sacrifice of Christ is the only one that God ever accepted for justification. The Bible says that the blood of bulls and goats, he took no pleasure in burnt offerings and sacrifices. So all the sacrifice of the world that's been done has not been able to buy one ounce of forgiveness or justification. Isn't that something? Only the the only um, the sacrifice that God provided. What did Abraham, our father in faith, Abraham, what did he say to Isaac on night day? <laughs> he said, remember he was going to sacrifice. He, uh, what, what, did, what did Abraham keep saying? He said, the Lord will provide a sacrifice. Wasn't that prophetic? He's talking about Christ. Here, Abraham, that's, that's a picture of redemption. Here Abraham's willing to give his son and God saying, it's not enough. God is saying, that won't work. I will provide my son for your sin. Isn't that powerful? Hallelujah. So everybody walks around talking about what they gave up for Jesus. Well, no. You didn't give it up for Jesus. You know, if you gave up something unhealthy, hopefully it was for you. Amen. Help your life. But you don't get you don't get credit for well, you know, I stopped reading the newspaper. Well you know. Goody. Goody for you. Maybe that's maybe that was an encouragement to your life or something you felt like you needed to do. But you know, you don't get points with Jesus because you stopped reading the newspaper. Or something else. You know, somebody says, Well, I gave up cigarettes, the Lord loves me more now. No, he loves you cigarettes at all. It's just that you know your lungs might love you, you know, something like that. You know, it's like a health decision. You know, like I've said, you know, church is the only place we'll take we'll take your cigarette away and give you a donut. That's way how it works. Whatever. I don't. I don't care about any of that stuff. You need for me. You know. Uh, what they used to do, my dad, you know, and Brother Leon can relate to this, but you know, my dad pastored for many years, you know, and our 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 uh, denomination, the Church of God, you know, we used to have uh, rules when we took people into the church. We had to read them. Finally, some of the preachers stopped, started rebelling and stopped reading it because it got ridiculous. You know, my dad refused; he rebelled and didn't read them. Because he said, well, we'll take you into the church because of your testimony of faith. Amen. Not because you're keeping all these rules. But anyway, what are the rules you know, had to do with the use of tobacco? Well, this is Georgia. You know, I mean, half of everybody smokes. They raise tobacco. They love tobacco. And so, uh, you know, we run into a church member downtown. You're not supposed to be smoking and be a member of the Crawford Avenue Church of God. So, my... Well, I would be with my dad, we'd be downtown, you know, somewhere getting haircut, and we run into a church member that's smoking, and the minute they see the pastor, they try to hide it. This is what rules do, it creates hiding. It creates cover-up. <laughs> and double lies. And so, the guy, 
the church member's got a cigarette inverted. It's going up his sleeve, you know. Smoke. And my dad's holding him there on purpose, you know, just to irritate the fella, you know, and say, well, how you doing? Well, it's good to see you. I'm going to, well, you know, whatever, talk, 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 talk. And all of a sudden, you know, the guy's neck's on fire, you know. Smoke's coming up the sleeve and out the head, you know. And my dad would say, your head's on fire. You might want to put that out, you know. Well, some old guys would have made a big deal about that, and that right, Brother Leon, they would have had a church meeting, hauled them up, turned them out, but that's ridiculous. I'll tell, you to, I'll tell you how to have, here's the secret, here's how to have a perfectly clean church. Run everybody off, and then the clip church is empty of people. <laughs> Pure holiness in there, glory to God. Except for then there's the pastor and his problems, so, you know. Oh, I don't even know my problems. Ask your angel to say everything you want to know. For Christ. Black male material. Okay. Now let's turn to. Uh, oh, no, we didn't finish reading that, did we? Okay. Uh, corrupt communication. Now let's keep reading. Let's see. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit. Unto the day of redemption, let all bitterness, verse 31 and 32, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. That's, that's all nice words, isn't it? All right, now, let's... Um, have a final final thought here. Look at Philippians four four through nine. So we're talking about our thought life, aren't we? Yeah. Can you see that? We're talking about our thought life. How many believe that there's something to be said for that? What should we what should we Okay, well we know, Brother Horton, what not to think. You've told us what not to think. You've told us to not think about anything that doesn't agree with the finished work of Jesus. So what should we think? Well, the Bible has what I call food for thought. Food for thought. Here's our what we're going to feed our brains with. Amen. Philippians 4, 4 through 9. We'll start there. It's a good place to start. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Well, that's hard to do always. I know, but do it anyway. Amen. <laughs> I've often said, if you have to rejoice with tears running down your face, do it anyway. <laughs> I've been there. Praise God. Have you ever been there? Rejoicing. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. Uh, in other words, don't have a care. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, if you'll do this, what will you get? Peace. Peace. Amen. The peace of God, is it the peace of the world? They don't know how to have it, do they? They just can't help themselves and get into strife. The peace of the peace of, of everybody agreeing? Is that what it says? No. The peace of God, 
If you wait for everybody to agree with you, you're never going to have any peace, right? Luckily, <laughs> <laughs> he can agree with me, however. All right. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and I'm kidding. Okay. Shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Woo! Hearts and minds. This is the soul again. Keep our hearts. Keep our minds. Why would you want to keep your mind? Because what did Dan Quayle say? It's a terrible thing to lose. <laughs> Amen? You don't want to lose your mind. If you lose your mind, they have programs for you. It's not pretty. Okay, we don't want to lose our minds. We don't want to lose our heart. Lose our heart either, do we? Lose our soul. Lose ourselves. Lose our victory. Because I want mine kept. How about you? Keep your wits about you, in other words. Finally, brother. Well, that means something we need to pay attention to, right? Finally, brother. Whatsoever things are true. Well, there's no greater truth than the Word of God. No greater truth. Now, so anything that exalts itself against the Word would not be true, right? You have to choose. Right. What does God's Word say? Yeah, well, the doctor's report says this and something else and da-da-da. Yeah, but I'm standing on the Word. You know, now, you know that's not against doctors. That's not. I'm not saying that that's bad. I'm just saying that at the end of the day, you're going to have to choose. Am I going to... I'm a, and I'm, am I going to believe the word and say, he, I don't care. The doctor said, let me illustrate. The doctor says to you, you know, blah, 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 bad report, bad report, bad report. But you can take that and tell him, thank you for your information. And I am going to declare that the word of God is true. I'm going to say, Jesus, in spite of this bad report, I am the healed of the Lord because he bore my sicknesses and carried my pains. In spite of it. Amen. Well, you, you know, your, 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 your checkbook balance says you're in the brackets. Praise God. Negative red numbers. We used to put red pencil either way. Thing. I, 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 I have gone through some red pencils in my day. And, um, you know, that's bad. But we've had to say, I don't care, like Brother Normal with his finger on the balance sheet saying, you're a lie, you're a lie, you're a lie, you're a lie, you're a lie. And the Baptist secretary thought he'd lost his mind. But he was just declaring what the Word said. Amen. So whatsoever things are true would be in agreement to the word of God. Amen? Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. So that would really regulate a lot of what we say and do and think and ingest and whatever, right? Amen. You know, so if something is not ministering peace to you, get away from it. Well, I gotta go to the family reunion and they always drag me down. Well, how about don't go? You know, or you know, fly in and fly out, whatever you gotta do. Especially if you're in a battle. For your life or something. You know, you gotta be careful what you let people say to you. 
Amen. Mm -hmm. I said, oh, it's, it's Betty Lou calling me again, and she always, you know, gets me down to the dumps. Well, does somebody have a gun to your head that you have to answer that call? <laughs> well, she'll be offended. Well, okay. Let me tell you what will happen to people. I mean, I'm really bold here about this. I taught in Brother Hagen's healing school, you know, for some time. So we, every day we're dealing with sick and dying people. And I told them, I said, listen, let me tell you about relatives who will not speak the word to you and encourage you when you're in a battle. They will kill you with their bad words. They'll cry at your funeral, and next week they'll be with the kids at Disneyland. So, you know, that's just the truth. So you need to, like, smart up sometimes. Amen? And if there's somebody speaking into your life, and you're hearing things and doing things that are not in agreement with this kind of thinking where peace is ministered, you're going to have to be bold enough to say, I'm going to have to, you know, regulate what I hear. Can you say amen? Amen. After. Praise the Lord. What does that mean? mean? No. No, praise God. But sometimes we have to protect the faith that we have. Don't we? Protect our hearts. Glory to God. I'll shout my tail. Okay. Now, what are those things? See, that would be a good list just to print out sometime and see whatever you're thinking about. Does it apply to that? Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And then what, what do we get at the end of that? And the God of peace shall be with you. Hallelujah. Oh, there's nothing better than a good old dose of peace. You know. How many remember the 60s? Everybody went around saying peace, man. Well, they were on the right track, you know, peace. Uh, yeah, praise God. Anybody do the peace thing, you know, praise God. Okay. Praise God. You know, they had a, you know, they had a sign in Berkeley, California, uh, just like four years ago. They had a, they had a warning. They had a warning that says, be careful, you know, being too patriotic in Berkeley because you could be attacked by peace demonstrators. Now think about the irony of that. You could be attacked by a peace demonstrator. Something, you know, maybe they should choose a different name. <laughs> but, you know, uh, Jesus said that my peace I give to you and not as the world gives. Why? Because the world doesn't have any peace. They give us. They only have strife and confusion and weirdness. But with God, it's true peace. It's true settle. Amen. Amen. We used to sing an old song, Victory is Mine. There's a deep, settled peace. Abiding in my soul. Good words on that one. There's a deep. I love that. I love those words. I've been meditating on those words for some time now. Deep, a deep, settled peace. Amen. Who settled it? Jesus. He settled our peace, and He planted it deep 
in my soul, so that no matter what idolatrous thought tries to raise up and say the word of God is not working for you, and God's not helping you lie from the pit of hell, that you go, eh, this doesn't affect me. I'm abiding in the deep, settled peace of God. Hallelujah. You can go to sleep at night with turmoil raging in your life. Say, how do you sleep through this? I've got the peace of God. Hallelujah. And has passed my understanding. My understanding says everything within me should be raging. But there's a deep subtle peace. I don't know. You just kind of walk around like a nut. People go, well, why can you be smiling and happy with what you know about yourself or what's going on? Say, because I'm not getting my peace from my circumstances. I'm getting my peace from Jesus. Amen. And that's why you can walk through the literal valley of the shadow of death. Boy, if you ever start to look at a house and it's on the street of valley of shadow of death, you might want to choose a different place. <laughs> but we can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and literally fear no evil. Why? He said, because thou art with me. Amen. God's with us. He's in us. He's around about us. He's, he's, he's all over the word of us. We are consumed by Him. Does that help you today? Amen. Praise God. So, so we're not going to entertain thoughts of failure, thoughts of what if it doesn't happen, thoughts of fear, whatever. He's going, no, no. But things are true. And that's not true according to the Word of God. Amen? Alright, praise God. There's your big faith shot in the arm. Be encouraged today. Hallelujah. God's got great stuff for you to do and to be for Him. Amen? And uh, your life, your life should just be one adventure after another and a, a dream for you. Your life should be a dream. Amen? Not a nice one. Alright, praise God. Let's lift our hands and thank God for the word that's that's the end of the preaching. Thank you, Jesus, for the truth, all these wonderful things that you put in the word. We're grateful.